This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Texas Rangers. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. This is Evan Grant, and I'm your unusual host for this week's Ballsy Podcast because for some reason I'm in Dallas and Kevin Sherrington, our infrequent guest, is on the line from Surprise, Arizona. How did this happen, Kevin? Yeah, I'm not really sure, but I wouldn't say that this is the first time you've been an unusual host. Uh, I am always, uh, when I host, I'm always unusual. Yes, that's, that's true. Yes, yes, you are. I'm but it's unusual that. for me to host. Yes, it is. Because, you know, I'm out here and I'm, I'm sleeping in your, in your, uh, in your room. Okay, that's probably TMI. But, uh, <laughs> but for the fans who don't know. the first night when I slept on the couch. That's okay. Well, it's, uh, for the fans who don't know out there. Um, about how the morning news operates um, uh, in in Surprise and in Arizona, uh, we have a house. It's a nice house, and um, yeah, sometimes nice. it hasn't been such a nice house, but this year it's a very nice house, and uh, we have three bedrooms there, and uh, I have one bedroom, and, and Jerry Fraley, while he's out there, has one, and uh, Smiley Pool, our photographer, has another. So we have all the bedrooms. And then you came out Sunday, and that gave us four people for three bedrooms. So um, uh, as opposed to people who think that maybe we just got another suite for you at the resort that we're at, you you did actually spend the night on the couch, but that beats the time in Florida when I took my hearing aids out and didn't hear the phone ring, and you slept in your car. Yeah, that was the all timer. That was the all timer. That was uh, hey, welcome to Florida, Kevin. Sleep in your car. Uh, yeah, that was good. Believe uh, me, and, you and, were not the only person in Charlotte County that night sleeping in his car. No, no, that, that's true. And we and and of course you left out the time that here in surprise where we came back to the house one night and the and the furnace was going so hot that I I thought the house was on fire. We walked into the house, and the thermostat in the house said zero two, and it was only after a few minutes that we realized that it was actually registering a hundred and two <laughs> degrees in the house. Um, that was not a fun. That was not a fun evening, um, and that was no. not one of the the nicer houses that we we've, we've had. Um, no, that was bad. But. Uh, uh, we we do. We have a nice house. We have a great operation out there. You are out there. You are piling up columns, um, writing writing them fancy words, and and you wrote a column for this morning's paper, which was online yesterday because we are immediate. Um, we we are a website and a newspaper, not just a newspaper with a website. That's correct. Um, uh, you wrote a column about the new Rangers pitching coach Julio Rangel and how he will go about his job and the tasks that he's presented with. And and I thought it was, was real good. I had to correct a couple things in there, but that's what I'm here for. Yeah, well, um, just, just little things like the score. Well, I, I've been known to miss the day of the week a couple times myself. Um, so what were your impressions of Julio Rangel, who is the Rangers' uh, third pitching coach since Mike Matt, you, you go Mike Maddox, who was here from 2009 through 2015. Uh, Doug Brocale was here the last three years, and now Julio Ron Hill is here, and and he's still charged with with a pretty Herculean task, which is is getting the most out of out of a pitching staff that's full of guys with their arms stapled back on after Tommy John surgery, um, and an, and an unproven bullpen in a lot of ways. And he's an unproven pitching coach. Uh, this is his first time. Uh, it's his first time to be in the big leagues at all, uh, either as a player or a coach. Uh, 
And so there's a lot of unknowns in all of this, and we just really don't know how it's going to go. I, I, I pointed out, and I think this is a big thing, because I pointed out when they were hiring a manager, I thought it was important they get a bilingual guy to do it. Uh, they didn't do that. I, I think Chris speaks a little Spanish, but uh, I don't, you know, he's not somebody who I think that, that a lot of the Latin American uh, players would feel particularly comfortable talking, and, and because he's a manager as well. Uh, but a pitching coach... To me, it's different, and we went back and looked, and the only other uh, Hispanic pitching coach that the Rangers have had on a full-time basis, he was kind of full-time, was uh, Oscar Acosta. Uh, he, he, he I'm not sure if the – you know, they've had two Hispanic pitching coaches, Bobby Cuellar, um, who was uh, an interim pitching coach uh, in 2001, and I'm not sure he may have spent more time in the job than, who, than Oscar Acosta, who was the full-time <laughs> pitching coach. Lasted about three months until the Rangers got to Chicago, and he went off on something. And uh, the the team's next stop was Pittsburgh, and he did not make it to Pittsburgh. No, he had some anger management problems. Uh, very very bizarre guy. I, I remember that spring uh, and and how bizarre it all was. I just couldn't understand what the heck was going on with him. But at any rate. Um, I think that Julio certainly is, uh, uh, above all else, you can certainly call him a people person because of his background and the impressions he's made on people. And, and of course, you know, as I pointed out in the story, as we all knew, he, he served a little term, five years, in fact, uh, in banking. So uh, that's a little unusual to have on your uh, baseball resume that you were also a banker. So, uh, but, he, you know, that was the kind of deal where his, his wife, I thought was pretty telling, told him when he was going to apply for that job, listen, you just need to you need to just walk in there and, and, and show them who you are. And she had enough confidence in him to believe that he'd make that kind of impression that he could get a job as a banker when all he had on his resume was uh, seven years as a baseball player. So I, I think that says a lot about him. And, and, and talking to him, I didn't get to talk to him for, for real long, but in talking to him, and I know you've had this impression of him as well, a very engaging guy, very very nice, very pleasant. Always got a smile on his face, uh, which also makes him a little unusual among uh, you know uh, pitching coaches uh, around here. And it's uh, sometimes been a, a, a surly bunch, um, and uh, not exactly the the types of guys who who, who might want to who might make a a, a pitcher feel. Like, you know, I need to talk to you about a problem I got here. And I think that's the issue when we talk about culture and, and understanding the culture and understanding, you know, the language is that, you know, Julio comes from Panama. He comes from, a, you know, a background where he had to, to do the same thing that a lot of these guys are being asked to do. And uh, there's nothing that they're going to be able to uh, say to him that he's not going to go, no, look, that's not right. I know that's not. Tell me, tell me the truth. Tell me how you really feel about that. Uh, and I think that's important. I think it's important these guys understand that. I talked to Edison Volquez about that, and he and I said, "Do you wish you'd have had that kind of uh, pitching coach when you were coming up?" And he said, "I was hoping." <laughs> but you know, when he when he got here, he said that what helped him out was that the the other Latin pitchers on the team, the other Latin players uh, in the Rangers organization, he said that really helped him a lot. Uh, but I think it's important, and then what they're trying to 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 do here, and we talked about that yesterday. You know, when you were talking to Chris Woodward, is that everybody wants the same message getting out. We don't want any rogue coaches coming in and, and, the, and the system somewhere and saying, yeah, I want you to do it this way. Uh, everybody's trying to get the same message throughout the organization. And that really only happens if the people delivering that message understand that and that they, that they realize really what they are in effect are conduits for that message. Well, I, I, and I, I think, you know, it's, it's a great ideal. And I think that, um, uh, you do run into this in really in any walk of life, but if you apply it to baseball, you know, in the minor leagues, when you talk about coaches going rogue, you have a guy who a thinks he's got an answer, or b may have um, some degree of, of uh, self ambition and wants to make an impact, uh, who may deviate from a plan. Um, you may have a situation where coaches become territorial, and we've seen that in the past in, in the big leagues and the minor leagues, especially as coaching staffs have, have expanded, uh, and there's some insecurity on you know between one coach and another. 
um, because they don't trust one another. They, 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 they aren't willing to collaborate. And so I, I think all of these are issues that we run into in everyday walks of life. And, and I think the Rangers are trying to address that on a baseball standpoint. I think it's also a difficult thing. It's, it's a difficult line to walk where you want everybody to be on the same page, but you also want people empowered to collaborate and offer ideas. And what it does do is it puts a real strong um, uh, emphasis among these coaching staffs to communicate with each other, communicate up and then communicate down. And that's one of the reasons the Rangers have, have I think, created some more infrastructure and some more um, kind of layers of liaisons between the major leagues and minor leagues in the development of these guys so that they, that they are collaborative and that they do work together and that the message gets gets fleshed out. And, you know, I don't think anybody's saying that somebody can't have an idea that doesn't come from on high. It's just that that idea has to be fleshed out and everybody has to be on board with, okay, how are we going to go about implementing this? Uh, and, and that's where that's where the Rangers are trying to go with it. Uh, I, think it's, I, I think it's a great idea. I think just like in everyday life, there are challenges. Um, but I do think one thing that, you know, you look at this coaching staff and I do really feel that the idea of collaboration was a word that was emphasized in every interview. And I get the impression right now that there is a very collaborative spirit. And that might be because, you know, none of these guys really have had Luis Ortiz as the hitting coach. He was the assistant hitting coach in Los Angeles the last couple of years. But none of the guys on the staff, or none of the new guys, I should say, uh, had been on big league staffs before. Julio Ron Hell was in the minors. Oscar Marine, the bullpen coach, had been in the minors. Uh, Ortiz, the hitting coach, had been an assistant hitting coach. And Calix Crabby, who is the assistant hitting coach, had been in the minors. Uh, Jace Tingler, uh, who takes over a pretty important role and will work really closely with Nomar Mazzara, among other things. You know, he had been... Uh, in player development and in the front office. So he's got that kind of background. And then you have the holdovers, Tony Beasley, who was universally respected on, on, the, uh, on the coaching staff, and, and Hector Ortiz, who works with the catchers. So, uh, and, and, and I don't want to leave out Don Wakamatsu either, who you know, managed Chris Woodward in Seattle, has a good relationship with Chris, uh, and I think has really blended well into this coaching staff. Yeah, I, I think the key is we just have to wait and see how it works. You know, uh, you can't make, and you're not going to be able to make any judgments on it this year because we see the kind of uh, teams they have, see the kind of pitching they have. You can't hold a guy accountable too much for that. You'd like to see some development uh, of, uh, of some younger guys, and you'd like to see some guys taking steps, certainly, but that's going to be a hard thing to see immediately. So, I, I mean, I, I think this is probably. Uh, these are moves, these are hires that it'll take two and three years to figure out if these are good moves or not. And, and that was what Chris Woodward talked about. I expect that these guys will be better, that Julio will be better coached two months from now than he is right now. Uh, and, and these are the things that he was looking for, guys who were willing to uh, improve. As, as he said, and as our old pal Ryan Washington said, I don't want no gurus. Uh, right. So I think that was the... Um, uh, that was the key here. No, no preconceived notions about what we're doing here. We're, we're, we're going to do things a little differently, and I don't want to have, I, I don't want any resistance. I think that's what Chris Woodward was really feeling was I, I want guys open to what we're going to do here and, and not guys fight. As we brought up Oscar Acosta, there was a lot of resistance from Oscar, but that was for completely different reasons. Well, and I, I mean, I, I just think in general, you've seen. Uh, one of the things that that is changing in baseball, and uh, it is that you know nobody nobody should feel like they have all the answers. Uh, and I think that there have been in in the past, you know, a lot of situations where whether it was a manager or the pitching coach or the hitting coach, it was we're going to do things my way, and my way is the right way. And you have more and more. Uh, you need to get some feedback. Um, from the players on what they feel and in what they are are dealing with, and you need to be able to form your message individually. It, it for me again, it's always been about this. There's a lot of pitching coaches and a lot of hitting coaches who have the same information, and it's all good information. It comes down to 
how you communicate the information, how willing you are to listen, how willing you are to ask questions, how willing you are to say, I need to get better too. Because you don't ascend to that spot and then all of a sudden have all the answers to baseball. Right. Correct. That's what you want to talk about with the Rangers. Okay, Kevin. Well, why don't you just move it along then? So, yeah, it's time to move it on, man. Let's, let's move it along. There's lots of things to talk about with this team. So what else? You want to talk about, uh, you want to talk about uh, you know, I'm writing for the, tomorrow's paper and for today's digital. Uh, I'm writing about uh, your old pal, Joey Gallo. He, he's, he is my old pal. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the situation on Joey is, is very well what's your take on joey because are you going to write on on joey's hitting or are you going to write about joey the what we're in where he should play well you know you know i know you and i talked about that but i'm actually going to talk about a little bit of everything because you know i got something else coming along later in the week that you uh, you uh, pushed me into a corner to write and so that kind of changed everything uh but what i'm going to write is that you know Joey Gallo is more than what he seems to be. You know, I think if you ask the average fan, what do you think of Joey Gallo? Certainly if you ask the, the average Ranger fan, he goes, oh, he's this big guy, he's a home runner, he strikes out. And, and that's pretty much the, the, the book, the fan's book on Joey Gallo. And, and of course, that's true. He does uh, strike out a lot, he does hit a lot of home runs, there's no question about that. But there's a lot more to Joey than that. Uh, as he says, uh, he likes to think of himself, he thinks that there's three dimensions to his game, you know, running the bases or, and running uh, in general, uh, uh, fielding, obviously, and hitting. And uh, if you look at those three things, uh, Joey's really pretty good at two of them. Uh, and he's not so bad at the third one either. Uh, and I think that's the value that, that Joey brings that, that fans don't realize is that, uh, for one thing, in the advanced metrics, Joey shows up a lot better than he does on traditional, you know, his, his OPS. Which I, I think you would agree with me, of, of all the statistics other than war, would you say that OPS is the most important for a hitter? Um, I would say, I, I mean, I, I quite frankly, I think OPS is a little bit, I, I think it's a little bit better than war just in, in talking about overall production. Um, I, I, I feel like war is a good guideline, but I think if you're talking about ranking players, um, I think OPS is is the best way, or weighted on base weighted on base average. But I think OPS is a little bit easier for for the general yeah. public to to grasp. Yeah, yeah, because because we're we're more familiar with those numbers now. <laughs> and once you get in the in the you know the eight hundred area or higher, you're doing pretty good. Um, and uh, and and Joey uh, has done that the last two seasons, uh, despite the the two hundred. Mendoza line flirting average, uh, he has been able to do that. You can imagine what uh, Joey's uh, OPS would be if he could get his average up to 250, uh, which which doesn't seem out of uh, the realm of possibility to me. I, I don't think he's ever, obviously, he's never going to be a guy to hit for a big average. If he could just learn to go the way, other way a little bit uh, and kind of uh, relax the, the, the shifts that he's seeing, I think that's certainly a possibility for him. Um, and what you know, the initial thought I had was with Joey was that, excuse me, is that if he's if, with an 800 OPS, uh, if he's playing center field, that puts him among the top six or seven offensive uh, uh, center fielders in, in baseball. Um, and I don't know that, that people really realize that and, and his value. And I don't think people really realize that he's. He's right now uh, a, a decent center fielder uh, with more time in the position, more time to learn the routes and the things he needs to do, more time to learn how to really to, to throw the ball from center field, you know, from the outfield. Because, you know, he came up as an infielder, and that's a different throw from an outfielder. It's more over the top. It's more of a pitcher's motion. Uh, you, you, you set your feet more when you throw as an outfielder than you do as, as an infielder. All those things are different. And you could see that. Last year, Joey was getting rid of the ball too fast, rushing a little bit at times, you know, uh, short hopping the ball, that kind of thing, almost short arming the ball a little bit. And 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 he feels like now that he's much more comfortable throwing from the outfield. And as we know, he has a great arm. I think uh, I think in high school, didn't they clock him at 95 miles an hour? Uh, you know, when he was uh, when he was coming up on a big prospect. So this is a guy with a plus arm. Uh, he's really fast. 
especially for a big man. Uh, and that's the other thing around the bases. He might be one of the fastest rangers on the bases. Uh, well, he is one of the fastest rangers on the bases. Uh, he covers a lot of ground in the outfield. He's a very comfortable uh, outfielder. And what I say by that is that if, when you watch him settle under a fly ball, he's always where he's supposed to be. You watch uh, Shin Sensu, there's always last-second movement underneath the ball. It's almost like, oh, my gosh, I'm not in the right place. Even Delano DeShields, another guy that, that you and I both like a lot uh, and think he has, still has a lot of potential and can still work some things out, he's constantly catching the ball in the palm of his glove, uh, and which is always a dangerous thing. You don't want to be bouncing that ball bouncing out. Uh, Joey's just very comfortable out there. He's just a good athlete and a very instinctive player, and I don't think that fans give him enough credit for that. So I, I think there's certainly possibilities that, you know, if things don't work out with Delano, if he doesn't have a good spring, uh, and Willie Calhoun does have a good spring. Uh, I could, I could see, and I would certainly push for for uh, Willie Calhoun playing left field and the line, uh, and then uh, uh, Joey playing center field. I think he's good enough to do that. I asked him, "Do you think you could play a hundred games out there?" And he kind of raised his eyebrows uh, and said, "Well." And he was very quick to say, listen, I think that Delano's going to be our center fielder. I think he's a great center fielder, and I think he's going to have a great year. And He said all the right things, and I'm sure that's what he was thinking. He was not thinking at all about playing center field. But I'm, I'm saying that if you want to maximize uh, his value to this team, and certainly what you want to maximize each position, you always want the best player you can get, uh, certainly offensively, at that position. And that's why, uh, and, and, and of course in the outfield now we will also see that teams are, uh, are are looking for guys who are, who are two-way players uh, out there. There's more emphasis than ever on defense. I, I certainly think that, that Joey is that. Right. And, and listen, I you know, you and I have talked about this, as you said, and, and I think that you will, you will talk about this a little bit later in the week, but I think the question, again, comes down to um, if Willie Calhoun performs this spring, what do you do? What is the best thing to do for this club in the long term? And I think that it has nothing really to do with Delano to shield because I think there's still every, you know, there's a possibility of a future for Delano. Um, I, I think if, if, if Willie performs well, what you have to look at is what do you do with Shinsu Chu going forward? Because while Chu had the same exact OPS as Gallo last year, he is, he is a DH. He is not a two-way player. He is going to be 37 in July. Uh, there's $40 million left on that contract. And the, all the players that we're talking about in the outfield, you know, Calhoun, Gallo, DeShields, Mazzara, those guys all have futures. They're all 26 years old or younger. Um, and uh, the Rangers are a team that's trying to build on a future. So um i i think there could be an awful lot of of pressure applied to the rangers here to make some difficult decisions about the future with with shinsu chu either at the end of spring training or sometime early into the year and that's not to say he's not a productive player i just feel like based on where the rangers are going and what the history has been nobody showed interest in shinsu chu and taking on any of that contract before in a trade um so what are the chances that as he gets older, even with more and more money dropping off of that contract, that somebody's going to be willing to take on. Uh, he's got forty million dollars. Would somebody take on thirty? Mil- would somebody take on ten million of that? And would the Rangers eat thirty million over the next two years? Would they get anything back? I, I-, I don't know. I-, I-, I do feel like that if you go to a situation where you've got two outfield scenarios of uh, Joey in left. Delino in center, no more Mazzara in right, versus Calhoun in left, Joey in center, and no more Mazzara in, in right. Uh, the first of those two outfield options is a definitively better defensive arrangement uh, than the second. And uh, as you said, you know, you're know you looking for more and more two-way players. You're looking for run reduction as much as you are run production at this point in time. And that's going to be something the Rangers have to factor into how they how they move forward w- with this club. Well, there's no question about it. And the way that I look at this, and the way I phrase it to you, with the the Shinsu Chu question, of course, I you know we we wrote that I wrote that last year that that's not that's what they should do. Uh, try to find somebody who would take the contract or not the contract, but this take most of the contract. Um, is that uh, first of all, you know, fans have asked, well, why didn't the Rangers? 
go in on the Manny Machado thing? Why didn't they go in on Bryce Harper? Why don't they at least look for somebody? That's what some fans want. Well, the, the Rangers' explanation is that, look, we're not going to be very competitive this year. We probably won't be real competitive next year either. Uh, and it just doesn't make any sense to sign a guy who the first two years of his deal, and you're paying him a lot of money, he's not making any difference on the club. He's not really helping you win. Uh, so why do that? Well, that's that's exactly the situation with Shin Tzu Chu. Uh, as you said, he's still a productive player, uh, although he did finish uh, poorly last year. He had a great first half, finished poorly last year, which is a bad sign for a player his age. Uh, even if he's uh, an 800-plus OPS guy, which which he's been pretty much his career, it, it doesn't matter anymore, and, you're, and he's blocking somebody. And that's the worst sin that you can have on a, on a young team that's trying to find out about its young players is an older player uh, who's, who's on his way out the door probably, even if, he's, even if he's fairly productive, is he blocking somebody? Yes, right. he is. Because I feel like at this point, you know, we, we've talked about, is Willie Calhoun going to be ready? Well, listen, I think they ought to go with him anyway. He's already proven everything he needs to prove at AAA. He's had plenty of at-bats there. He does not need to go down to AAA again. He lost weight. Uh, over the over the winter, as you wrote, he lost I think twenty four pounds. Uh, he looks better uh, in the game yesterday. Uh, he looked pretty good, pretty good hitting the ball. He was he was pulling the ball a lot, uh, and and I don't know if that's what he always needs to do, but uh, he he looked good. The Rangers have got to find out if Willie Calhoun is an answer either for this team or to put on the trade market to another team. They they have to find that out. These are the kind of things that. That they need to know, and, and from a marketing standpoint, if you want to get fans interested in this team this year, they want to see Willie Calhoun. Yep. You know, they've seen they've seen Shinsu too, and they've seen enough of that. And then it's like we said, he's a great guy, good guy in the clubhouse, really nice guy, hard worker, first guy in the clubhouse every morning. He's everything you want in a player. This is nothing against him whatsoever. But at this point, if I can't get a team to pick up ten million of that forty million, I'll say, I tell you what. We'll take all of it. You just you take the player. Give us a give us a fringe prospect here. We'll do that because it's a sunk cost. They're going to pay Shin Chu no matter what. If he's here, they're paying him. If he goes someplace else, they'd be paying him. That's fine. Just get him off the roster. Let him go play someplace else where he can be productive and a contributing player on a team that that really needs that from a from a uh, designated hitter. And let the Rangers move on to this new era. Yeah, I don't know that I can disagree with that. Um, I and I don't want I don't want to harp on this in a way that it did in any way is is um, considered a negative towards Sinchu Chu because again, look, the guy had the same OPS, exact OPS as Joey Gallo last year. He has been a three sixty on base percentage guy um, throughout the, the course of his career with the Rangers. Um, he has performed. Uh, adequately. He's just not been a game-changing player. He's more of a, a complimentary player than he is a game-changer. And this team now needs to... This this is a year about putting processes in place and starting to build a foundation. And you don't build a foundation with taking at-bats away from guys who are, who are young and ready to, to learn at the big league level. And I think... I, I think that's where Willie Calhoun is, at least at this point in time. You know, I, he's had as good an offseason as any player on this team. Uh, the, the the weight loss and and the and the lifestyle change are significant. I think the Rangers want to make sure that he sticks to um, uh, a, the process. Wants to make sure that that he is working in the way that they that they want to see. But at some point in time, you also have to say, we recognize that, and we're going to get you playing time based on the fact that you deserve it. You've won. You, you've, you've earned it. So um, I also understand the Rangers just signed uh, Logan Forsyth infielder um, to a, a minor league deal, and he'll be in camp today. So um, uh, I think that's important because this is a team that, uh, if for nothing else, doesn't have enough middle infielders right now for spring training. No, um, not really. With Chase Darno hurt and uh, uh, Christian Lopes hurt, and and I think Elvis and Rugnet Odor will will be brought along slowly. So they just need some some extra depth. And 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 Logan Forsyth is is um, 
uh, he's a nice little addition on a minor league contract, to be honest with you. Well, I'm glad to see him do that because you know you got to you got to uh, flesh these all out. You got to have enough players to go around. That's kind of the frustrating thing about watching some of these games early is that you know regulars are getting a couple of innings and they're out, right. uh, and then the next thing you know, you're you're seeing guys with numbers like you know 97, 98, 99. So it's uh, it's a little bit uh, frustrating to see all that. That they want to they want to make sure everybody's brought along slowly. Um, but yeah, the, to to go back to the the, the Willie Calhoun thing uh, as well, because uh, we didn't really talk about what what he brings to the table, and and uh, and the thing that's intriguing about Willie, uh, he he's basically a, a two two a two tool player. He hits and he hits for power, and that's it. Uh, so he's probably destined to be a, a DH. He can play some in the field, and I think he'll be better. Uh, than he was certainly that the weight loss will help him and he needs to continue to do that as a matter of fact i wouldn't say that that was necessarily over uh at, a, at 200 pounds he's still a little heavy for his side but uh he needs to, to tone up a little bit more in my estimation and do some other things uh, to, to keep that all going but the, the thing that's intriguing about willie is that he's a high contact hitter he's a guy with some pop who's going to make a lot of contact he's got a great short, quick swing, uh, and that makes him different from almost everybody else in that lineup. Uh, and, and that's important because when you've got a lot of swing and miss in your lineup, you need a guy who's going to be putting the ball in play all the time. Uh, and I think that he could really be valuable in that role, uh, until, and at least until someone else comes along, until they sign somebody else, until they bring up some of these younger players. I think that this is a guy – who is a bridge here. He is. He might be the only bridge of the guys in the lineup because we've kind of seen what the other young guys do and who they are, and I think they can certainly make improvement, and, the, and you, that's certainly expected. The guys like Nomar Mazar and Joey Gallo and the Rudin O'Dor will all continue to improve and, be, and become better players. But we've, we've got a pretty good idea of what they're like. Uh, Willie really kind of intrigues me as a guy that, that might have a, a little more than all of that and something that we really welcome in that lineup. Okay. <laughs> do you say you don't agree with that, Evan? No, I, 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 I do. I mean, I, I just, I feel like this is a year for the Rangers to find some things out about about these guys, and uh, I think that you know, in general terms, Kevin, I, I don't think anybody could disagree with anything of of, of what we've said here in terms of of where the Rangers are and what they need to do with their roster. There is some practical applications um, that, that may change things and may, may force the issue to look a little bit different, at least from the start, than, than we've kind of posited here. But where this club is and where it's going, this needs to be a year about getting some of these younger guys, uh, particularly Willie Calhoun, um, maximum opportunity to prove that they belong in the big leagues so yeah i i I think that's something to watch uh closely over the remainder of spring training and and early into the season and and that's what's going to happen you know with the the pitching staff because let's face it if this if these guys you know if all the tommy john twins uh if they uh if they have good first halves i would expect that uh that at least one or two of them won't be around for the second half uh you know they're so and at that point, what you're hoping to see are guys uh, like Joe Palumbo or Taylor Hearn. You know that you you want to see them in the second half of this season because frankly, it's time to start seeing those guys as well. Uh, you know they've 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 done a, a good job of being patient with uh, with some, with most of those guys, which is not always something the Rangers have done uh, with their pitchers in particular, uh, but they have. And and now it's it's time to see. You know. Uh, there's, uh, you know, there's going to be a little of a, of a learning curve with them, maybe more than a little, uh, and I think that's okay. Uh, and I, I, but I think the, that this, as you said, this year they got to find out about people. You know, you you can't you can't say to fans, well, listen, I know our payroll is you know is uh, uh, is really bottoming out here, and we're not getting involved in anybody, but you know we're we need to find out about these players. Well, that, that's exactly right. You need to find out. You at the end of this season. What they need to be able to say is, yeah, you know what, we we got a pretty good grip on about four or five of these guys now you know, that we didn't have going into the season, uh, and we kind of know who they are uh, because it's it's all about 
doing that and not just continuing to guess on players and and to, and to hope hope for the best with some guys and hope that things just work out. They they need to know what these guys can do. Uh, I agree completely. Agreed. Um, uh, what else can I tell you, Kevin? <laughs> Evan, are you doing something else while I'm talking? Are you are you like reading something? I was I, multitasking. I, I I got multitask itis for a minute. I'm uh, I'm a little <laughs> preoccupied with lots of things going on here. Um, there, what's going on there? How's everything going in there? Who's the, who's the producer today? Is Benjamin. Benjamin. Is Benjamin. Benjamin, are you in there? I'm right here. Benjamin's in there. Benjamin, he's asleep. Go wake him up. Benjamin oh is not, he's just invisible. I can't see oh him. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's a beautiful day out here today. I'll say that. You know, it was, it's been a little cold, uh, a little brisk out here in Arizona in the desert. Uh, but it's, it's a beautiful day today, so I'm happy about that. What's it like there, Evan? It, uh, it's, uh, it's in the 50s here. Um, yeah, it has not been pleasant at spring training, really, for the first two weeks of camp um, in terms of weather. Uh, don't get me started on how uh, how that benefits players, but I guess you got to get the work in for the pitchers, and so you do it. But um, I just don't understand how there can't be a, a better way to do some things early in camp for uh, <coughs> excuse me for the preparation of uh, of pitchers. Well, you were, you're referring to the fact that Major League Baseball has backed up everything, uh, determined to get uh, the schedule uh, aligned for for later in the season and the in the earlier start. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with that 100. percent You know, I think that uh, there's a lot of things in baseball, though. Frankly, you know, we, we talked earlier about you know the the things that uh, uh, you know this young uh, coaching staff wants to do and do differently and and not to be tainted by uh, old ways and old thinking. You know, there's a lot of, I think, a lot of old thinking in baseball, and spring training is one of them. Uh, I, I think that, you know, uh, people should start looking at, you know, are we really doing this the right way? Is this, is this the, you know, the, the best way to be doing this? Um, you know, I, I, and I, there are lots of things about spring training that I love, obviously. It's, it's fun. It's, it's great to think about it, it, you know, when it's getting, you know, ready to, for pitchers and catchers to report and all that. Those are all kind of romantic issues and things to, to think about, uh, but, it's it's time for for baseball to to say hey are are we really doing this the right way yeah i i mean i i couldn't agree more um and you know each team is is kind of forced to play 30 games in 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 their spring training spots not because it's the best thing for the team but because the um uh particularly in Arizona you you know for these joint facilities uh, they have to guarantee 15 home games. Each team in that facility has to guarantee guarantee 15 home games, um, and and the cities have to get their money out of it. And so it's um, uh, you're trying to market the sport, but at the same time, you know you're not really marketing it because you're playing so many games early on when people come out there with players they've they've never heard of um, and may not have all that much interest in. Uh, you're exposing players longer and in colder weather to uh, to the possibility of injuries. I just feel like there is there is a more efficient way out there, and a team is going to figure out some way to break the mold, and that team will will enjoy a competitive advantage for a year or maybe two until other teams catch up. But uh, I think this I think this coaching staff is very much interested in the idea of okay what can we do more efficiently how could we change camp to be most efficient um and the one thing that nobody has 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 posed is okay well we can spend a lot less time in Arizona or play fewer games but I I really do think that that is something that that should be on on the table for teams if they're looking at the the things to get their clubs most prepared for the season. Well, when we talk about the marketing of baseball, which, you know, baseball players have long complained about the fact that uh, MLB does a lousy job of marketing its athletes, which I think when you compare to other sports, I think that's accurate. Uh, but you look out here, and let's face it, you know, we're in Surprise, Arizona. Who's out here? It's nothing but retirees. Uh, and and I, I'm in the game at – 
a good year uh, yesterday, and uh, there's probably 2,000 fans there maybe, you know, uh, for this game. And so that's a very poor crowd, uh, and it's an older crowd, uh, as, it, as it always is. Um, so what mileage are you really getting out of this? Uh, and, and as you said, you know, you're, you're, they're running a lot of players through these games and uh, not a lot of players that, that fans really know, you know, and, and without a – without a roster certainly so yeah i I just don't i don't see this as being uh, a good idea but they're so committed to it and i don't know i really don't know how the players feel about it i don't know if it'll it'll take the next cba to change everything which i guess that comes up in 2022 right uh Um, after the 2021 season yes yeah so i i think it would be interesting to to look at those things but i'm like you it's like I'm always, uh, you know, our, our old buddy Dave Smith, a former sports editor at the Dallas Morning News, uh, and a great sports editor at that. Not a guy who knew a whole lot about sports, uh, necessarily, uh, and not a guy who could really uh, look at your story and say, here's what you need to do to this. As a matter of fact, I, I, some of us wondered if Dave could read it all. Uh, but uh, what I loved about Dave Smith, uh, as great a sports section as he put out, he was always entertaining an idea of how to make it better. How can we do this better? And we were constantly changing things, constantly changing beats, constantly doing things and tinkering and trying to come up with a better, you know, uh, mousetrap than we already had built. And I, and I just think that that was a great quality about him. And I just I, I admire that in, in people and in people in charge when they're bold enough to say, okay, this has been great, but really, uh, can it, could it be better? And, and I think that's what baseball needs to do because, you know, not everything is great in baseball, in the state of baseball these days. And, and I, I think that baseball can do a lot to try to make itself, uh, as, as much as I love history, and there's nobody who loves sports history more than I do. I have, I've written a million stories uh, about the history of, of pretty much every sport. I, I think that baseball needs to kind of snap up a little bit and say, hey, let's, let's move with the times a little bit here and see what we can do to help ourselves. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, it, it, I just, I do walk around and, and wonder, you know, where is the sport growing? I, one thing that has really kind of hit home for me this spring is um, just sitting in the clubhouse uh, with the TVs on and you know, all the TVs are, are, are tuned to either FS1 or ESPN or one of the ESPN networks. Uh, and, and I don't have the, the TV on a whole bunch at home during during the day or during the season. But, you know, there is at all times either an NBA or an NFL show on on the on the national networks. And there is not on the uh, on on baseball. Uh, you have the MLB network and they do a great job. But there, but but baseball has a less and less of a presence on on ESPN, and and you can think of ESPN whatever you want, but it is still where um, young people go to, to 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 get their sports information, and so I think it's become a little bit a little bit forgotten. I think that baseball is is trying very hard to find ways to uh, to make the game more compelling and you know i i was thinking about this the other day is football has has the ability you know with with huddles and whatnot you can you can spend uh seven seconds like typing out your text in between plays while you're watching the game whether you're in the stadium or not baseball so much of it is you've got to be focusing on what the situation is, what the to to get maximum enjoyment out of it, and it is a cerebral game in a lot of ways. Is you've got to be thinking out scenarios, and even though there is a lot of time between pitches, you've got to be focused on what could happen uh, and playing those things out to really kind of to kind of get it. And and in a world where where people spend more time on their phones and and more time looking at other devices. I think that baseball isn't that conducive um, to hold people's interest in, in that way because you can look up from the TV, watch action on football, look back down. In baseball, if you take your eyes away and you spend some time in the phone, what happens on the field is just going to look routine to you, but 
there may be an awful lot of strategy involved in in that particular moment. So it's uh, it, it's a weird place for the game right now. The the games tend to last too long, I think, for for a lot of people. And I know there are people who will say, "Oh, well, the great thing about baseball is there is no clock, and it's pastoral, and it's this, and it's that." We don't live in that society anymore, and uh, baseball is taking on a real task right now uh, with with Chris Young, the the former Ranger and the Highland Park graduate and Princeton graduate, who is the vice president for on field operations. These are these are people who are charged with with making the game more engaging and more exciting for fans. Well, you're just going to have to do that to preserve the interest of it. You know, to reinforce an earlier point you made, and I want to I want to toot your horn, Evan. You know, uh, what ESPN will tell you is that uh, their number one product is football, the NFL, and their number two product is the NBA. Uh, and that is true in almost every market uh, except in, in Dallas, and that's because of Evan Grant, and that's because of his Twitter following and the hard work that he puts in, and he actually raises the Rangers Above the Mavericks now that now Luka Doncic might change all that here in the next uh, year or two, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, that's uh, that's absolutely the truth, and and that's the that, that's an issue for baseball. I mean, going forward, you you have you cannot simply rely on the fact that oh, this it's just such a great game. It, it is a great game. People ask me all the time, "What's your favorite sport?" And I have always said, "Well, you know what? I pretty much like the, the season I'm in. Whatever that season mm-hmm. is, I, I mm-hmm. like that." But you know, when it gets back right down to it, baseball's my favorite. You know, my both. You know, I think it's interesting that both my boys uh, uh, and certainly Jake played several sports and was really good in all of them. But uh, but he he loves baseball the best. Forward, who is in college now, plays baseball. Uh, you know, we love watching those games. You know, my wife loves baseball. Debbie Debbie couldn't. T- she can't tell you a whole lot about baseball either, but uh, but that's that's her favorite sport. We we all love baseball. I mean, I'm not you know saying that oh this game is messed up, man. We need to fix it. Uh, but if you're going to make it appealing to young people coming up, if mm-hmm. you're going to if you're going to try to preserve this sport, it is you're going to have to make some adjustments here. You're going to have to make the game faster. You're going to have to, uh, to to do a better job of marketing. You know that's. I didn't. I didn't really think about that until you said that about the fact that there are no baseball shows on. Yeah, there's How no baseball. No, no more baseball tonight on on ESPN. No, none of that. And so, I think it's it's a giant void that that MLB is is missing out on. And I, I do think, in some regards, you know, baseball has baseball has dived into the statistical analysis era better than any other sport and deeper than any other sport and and really always has but i think you also ran the risk of 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 turning some people off with turning the game into nothing but a set of numbers you've got to find a way to promote the product and the personalities on the field and not simply percentages and uh probabilities um, because otherwise, yeah, what you're going to get is you're going to get a bunch of math students, and there's nothing wrong with math students, but it's a, it's it's also a very small uh, segment of society. And so there you go. There you go. And and, and I, that's, that that just brings me to this point, and we'll close with this, Kevin. And I, I mean, I you know I only watched two spring training games before I came back here for for my little break, and and I'll watch a lot closer going forward, but. The whole idea of the pitch clock and, and, and pitchers and players, anybody being upset about the pitch clock, I'd tell them to zip it because they need <laughs> to get up there and pitch the ball and hit the ball or at least take the call, take, take the called strike and get the count moving. There is a need to move this game along, especially with the idea that we have more true outcomes, more walks and strikeouts than ever before because those may have an impact on how the game plays out, but they are not action. They are plays of nothing. Well, I, don't, I couldn't agree more with that. And, you know, what people don't understand about that either is that if you watch baseball, if you watch a pitcher who gets up there, takes the ball, gets the sign, pitches, you watch that. Everybody, everybody, the, the pace picks up with everybody, not only the, the players, the fans. You hear it from players all the time. You hear players say yep. in the field, when they're they're fielding better, it's because well he's getting up there and he's throwing man, and there's not a lot of just standing around out here for us. And when we're ready, we're on our toes because we know something's about to happen. Yep. You know, and uh, you get a guy on the mound who works quick and who throws strikes. You have fewer pitches, 
you have each pitch then tends to to be more heavily weighted and the action is more valuable and the game moves along quicker and i i just you know i can't see anything i can't see any negatives in that no, there's not any negative. It, it, it'll be it'll be a much better game to watch. It's, it's just you can just feel it. You can just feel the electricity in the game when a pitcher's working fast, when things are happening, uh, and and then you generally see better fielding. You know that was always the old complaint about why did why did Nolan Ryan struggle? Why was he a 500 pitcher most of his career? Well, a lot of that was because he played on, on bad teams with the Angels mostly. But but there was some thought that because he's a strikeout pitcher, he's laboring a lot. You know. There's not a lot going on. Right. We're, we're hitting him a lot. Players are just standing around in the field, and then the, then when the ball gets hit, they're they're not as alert as they normally would be, and and uh, and maybe some errors happen behind him. You know that's that's just those are all that's. I don't think that's uh, anecdotal evidence. I, I've seen enough baseball to know that you can just you can watch it and see it and feel it uh, when when things are moving along. It's better for everybody, and, and and just for what you said a while ago about because of the nature of the game as it is, it needs to have uh, that kind of feeling to it. We're 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 moving in a good clip here. We're, we're, things yep. are happening. Don't don't go get something to drink. Correct. Well, don't 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 go get so lost in your phone that you end up looking up and saying, "What happened? What happened?" Yeah, so. which is what you do to me all the time. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I'm sitting next to you at games, so uh, well, I I only do that, Kevin, because I've got to respond to all the constituents on Twitter. Um, I want to. I want to engage all my uh, all my constituents as much as possible, and so I just tend to use you as an assistant for my eyes and ears. Are you Are you running for office, constituents? You're talking about that a lot. Yes, I am. I'd like to uh, throw my hat into the ring for mayor of Dallas. Now that I'm a resident of the city of Dallas, what kind of what kind of hat is that? It's a large. Um, I, Fez, I you know I've always thought the Fez was a very funny hat. <laughs> has a good name. You look great with a Fez. It has a, it has a good name. It has character. It's got a good shape. I, I've always liked the Fez. Yeah, you know my my, uh, my, uh, my oldest son got me for Christmas. He got me a hat. A Fez. We, we had to go to. Well, he didn't get me a Fez. He, we were going to go to this place at uh, North Park. That sells hats, and I'm going to get me one of those those small Stetsons. I don't know what they call them, but it's the kind that LBJ used to wear. That short brim, Eamon mm-hmm. Carter wore them. They're very they're very stylish. Now, I, I think our our buddy uh, Robert Wolanski has one. As a matter of fact, I'll ask him. But uh, speaking of which, I better get out of here because they're going to start coming in here and wanting to set up for TV and important things and. And I, I, I'm worried about Benjamin. I'm going to have to send a – Benjamin, are you still there? Right here. Oh, my God. He's asleep. He's he is asleep. so mad at me right now. Benjamin, oh are you mad God. at me? Not at all. Okay. See, he's not mad at me. All right, but I'm <laughs> going to get out of here. And so you, this way you can get in the clubhouse and go get the essence of the 2019 Rangers. Yeah, I'm squeezing it out of them right now. All right, go get that, Kevin. All right, thanks, Evan. See all you. right, we'll see you later. Uh, and that'll do it for today. We're we're very short with David Moore. We didn't even mention David Moore. I feel so bad. We didn't. Men- David's on vacation this week. I believe he's at an artist colony somewhere. Um, yeah, but we will be back hopefully with the full crew next week. Maybe with everybody actually in the office before I head back to spring training. So, until then, everybody, take care. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.